Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode 32 of the pond. My name is Colton Peganaw, and uh, guys, we're gonna be starting every episode off with uh, something a little different and something that actually I I think is gonna be awesome going forward. Um, so we're gonna take a fan question uh, from Twitter or Instagram, depending on uh, you know where we're getting them from. And we're going to answer it and just give our opinions quickly because uh, we know that you guys uh, have some stuff that you want to talk about. But, you know, it's hard to reach out to us. You know, it's, it's not like you can't go on Twitter and follow at us at uh, podcast underscore pond. Uh, but anyways, uh, so this one first first fan question ever uh, goes to uh, Mark Kennedy saying, uh, what do the three amigos think of PK Subban's nine mil cap hit? Did Mark Bergevin see something that a lot of others didn't when he did the straight-up deal for Shea Weber? He left his best days in Montreal. And you know what? I I, I might as well swing it over to Mike first because I know uh, you have a little bit of Montreal ties now, so I think your family definitely is loving uh, having Shea Weber on the team. But what's your opinion? Oh, yeah, buddy. Um, friggin' spicy question. How to crack one for this. I hear you. Um... But yeah, dude, I mean, looking in, in hindsight, obviously, it's a great trade for Montreal. Um, at the time, it was like pretty gutty, right? Because Subban um, was coming off a couple great seasons, Is was a huge part of the community in Montreal. So it was, it was really tough, I think, for Montreal fans to see him go. But I think kind of across the board, people, people agreed that Weber played a game more suited to... Um, like a, a really competitive team that Subban, you know, you look at even, even that like 2010 Olympics, I think it was where he was the seventh defenseman barely touched the ice for Canada. I think he only dressed one game. Um, and it's kind of like, yeah, he's good. He can lead a, uh, lead a defense, but come playoff time, is he the type of defenseman you need to, to lead your decor? Um, and I feel like Shea Weber has shown clearly that he's a better, um, two way defenseman. Um, but on top of that, dude, like, I think nobody expected Shea Weber to have as much left in the tank as he did. And um, he's just proven people wrong over and over again. And I mean, this is one of a few moves Bergevin has made that are just absolutely brilliant. Looking back on it. Um, this is a guy that's not afraid to make a splash. Yeah, dude. Like that was a better question than like some hockey analysts for real. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> I hadn't seen that, but that was actually a good one. But Definitely, my dad has always been on Shea Weber since day one, getting in Montreal. Like, just loves the guy, but because he plays an old style game too, where he just can clap the bomb so hard and then lay people out in the same thing. Like, PK lays people out, but he plays a very like Eric Carlson uh, offensive defenseman way of the game. And honestly, maybe the way that Eric Carlson is looking now and PK both not playing too great maybe that that is a uh, the way that they played it at least making its way out of the out of the game so i don't know pretty good question but i i think uh i think montreal got exactly what they wanted yeah it's i i don't know you can't think of anybody better in the league right now uh to lead like a montreal squad that really didn't have an identity prior to um you know, tr prior to what they are now, where their identity before was Carey Price, and that was kind of it. Uh, so PK Subban definitely was. Uh, I think his best days are behind him, a hundred percent. Like you hit the nail right on the head there, Mark. Um, yeah, man. Uh, 
Dude, Shea Weber is still looking like an absolute beauty right now, and PK Subban is looking like he's regressing uh, so far down uh, that he might actually be, you know, he's probably considered in the last couple of years of going into media and being, you know, a broadcaster. So, um, I mean, he already has his own podcast and stuff. He's definitely, um, I would say, maybe even already has one foot out the door. Yeah, and it's crazy too, man, because like I know you guys have seen. Um, where over the summer or whatever, he had like social media videos on Instagram and stuff like that of him training and doing these absolutely <laughs> absurd things. And it was like, everybody's like, oh, he's going to go out and rip it up. And then it's a lackluster season, you know? So I don't know. Now with him being in New Jersey, I don't know. I'd say he had a little bit more success than his initial team that he got traded to. Uh, but yeah, man, fucking <laughs> brutal. Hopefully he can turn it around. Because I always like seeing people thrive in the NHL. You never want to see somebody like Alex Galchanyuk where they literally just, they, they disappear. And now they're like, people are wondering if they're going to be in the league at all, you know? So, yeah. Um, yeah. Especially hope someone as good as BK. Yeah. Yeah. So like guy could play hockey, like didn't take away from his years that he had in the NHL where he really produced you, man, the guy won a Norris. Yeah. And donated $10 million of his, own money uh to the montreal hospital mm -hmm. like yeah he's a legend in montreal oh uh, yeah and kurt i think the point you made is interesting too like him and carlson like that really smooth skating offensive defenseman um and i don't know whether this is a sign that that type of player is leaving the game um for the time being yeah maybe it's more just that like pk and uh carlson were a little bit ahead of their time in terms of how they played the game and like yeah. how they could skate. Yeah. And it's just, you look at like the young players coming into the league since then. McDavid's the obvious example, but pretty much across the board, you have to be a great skater to play in the NHL these days. Yeah. Um, and so maybe right. that, that advantage just kind of has diminished over time as the young kids coming, coming in are just all unreal skaters. Um, yeah. So I, I completely yeah. agree. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. I was going to say something else and I lost track because I... Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, my bad, brother. My bad. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's all good. We're, uh, it comes well, to you. <laughs> well, at some point, we'll probably, you know, discuss it again, you know, when they when their names pop up again in the news. But, um, yeah. yeah, great question, Mark. Uh, definitely, yeah, guys, if, you, if you're wanting to, you know, have a topic talked about or whatever in the future, uh, just, you know, follow us on Twitter, follow us on Instagram, uh, send us a tweet, and, yeah, we'll... we'll hopefully answer it on an episode if it's a good talking point. So yeah, thanks Mark again. And uh, yeah, I, I guess uh, Mike, we'll send it over to you. Uh, news, man. We got a ton to talk about this yeah. week. Um, a lot well, more than we usually do, but yeah. Yeah. A lot more than last week. We'll say that much. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I guess it's not, not necessarily news quite, but uh, the Lake Tahoe games over the weekend, um, obviously was super hyped up going in. Um, and I think in a lot of ways it, it kind of worked out. Like the, the view was incredible. It was beautiful. Oh yeah. Um, once the hockey got played, it looked good. Looks like people were having fun. Um, unfortunately, obviously on Saturday, there was a pretty big, um, I'm going to say miscalculation by the, uh, NHL. <laughs> so I guess it didn't occur to them that it could be warm and sunny out. Um, even though that's like, <laughs> the weather pattern for beside a lake i so they the, the i basically the ice ended up melting um 
and especially over the the painted parts and you would think like the nhl should have the greatest minds on the matter right like just don't use dark paint on your ice maybe the sun won't you know melt at all um so the game on saturday they had to delay by like almost 10 hours i think it was it started at three they played the first period and then the second period resumed at midnight so big delay there um and in terms of like viewership at the time obviously they lost a lot but from what i saw of like the highlights of the game afterwards it still looked great it was still visually spectacular so um i don't want to berate them too much about it i still think it was really really well done in terms of the concept and um a lot of the things went right in terms of pulling it off uh and it's it makes you think like there's so many other places that they could do this too right like canada's got a few nice places i i hear um other places around the u.s obviously as well so um hopefully this is something they kind of stick with even in the future when fans are allowed back maybe have a couple games where it is only um tv viewership or something like that because boy it was it was so cool to look at and fun to watch for for what what i got to watch of it um it was a really cool experience and like as someone that's grown up playing pond just like that game on sunday watching them start as the sun set and then the floodlights come on. It's like, man, that is literally the dream for yeah. a pond hockey player. So that fun, really fun to watch from that perspective as well. Yeah, I agree. I think Lake Louise should be like set in stone right now after that. Like that would just be an insane backdrop. Yeah. Hockey game. Cal- imagine like Calgary, uh, Edmonton battle of Alberta out there that just all. Well, oh just get ruthless i bet yeah yeah no man there's there's plenty of plenty of spots they could do um like with relative ease you'd think right yeah in canada and the states like yeah yeah, yeah. i didn't yeah Fuck i don't know if you want to say something but i want to talk about the uh the conditions though so i'll let yeah speak. yeah it's uh i don't know i'd I personally really enjoyed it and like I don't know it made it even kind of not necessarily like more fun but definitely a a bigger event like a longer event to be able to like watch the first period and then (laughs) have to wait like a whole another like seven eight hours to have the game back on again is like you know I I mean to to be frank like we we were in a few beers just a few i'm not going to get into an exact number but a few beers right and uh <laughs> By the so time midnight rolled around yeah At 3 p.m we were in a few beers yeah exactly so it's like we were we were excited for this game we were ready to go and then you know the delay so we had to find a way to persevere through all the all the night and get up to to midnight where it was our time like eastern standard time and uh to be able to watch the game and i'd say it was worth it man like uh, it, it was totally a, they even had like the NHL after dark, like hashtag NHL after dark on Twitter. And it was kind of like, they already planned for this to happen. And we were saying that, that, you know, it very well could have been a, a behind the scenes thing already planned that, Oh, you know, unfortunate. It didn't work out. The conditions were too bad. Like, you know, it, they had a backup plan, which is good, but, um, yeah, I know Kurt's going to get into the conditions, but like, it's not even cause Mike, you said that you're like, oh, well, don't use dark paint. But that's not even the issue, man. Like, you guys have been doing outside games for so long now. And if you're going to choose to do uh, an outdoor game in Nevada, then you got to understand that heat is probably at some point going to become an issue. And if you don't have 
ways of combating it like what are you doing you're right like yeah. i don't know well, you're just I'm, i don't understand how they could do an outdoor game in la that's what i yeah and yeah. have that be better than this yeah like that no, it's doesn't true. make any sense to me yeah it's, it's weird that's what i mean like being in the field that i work in like glycol you can like freeze that well below freezing like that's what people use for anything that you want to like chill anything past freezing the only other way you use it is with glycol like most commonly and it, it goes pumped through the whole ice and like you look at those guys on uh what was it saturday afternoon look you couldn't even see their blades in some parts of the ice they were sunken yeah. in so like, deep yeah. yeah yeah and then like oh my god you could see like the platforms that were coming up like the little squares because i guess it's an elevated work surface yeah. so they built it on top of something oh my god like yeah no think... definitely a rough look <laughs> just put a bunch of water on it let gravity do its thing level out itself i know it's not that easy but uh pretend like it is and <laughs> uh i don't know that just was bad i was yeah. so, like I was drooling well, at the end of the game i was so tired and dude the thing is <laughs> They could have just planned to have the game after the sun went down and they would have been perfectly fine. Yeah. Right? So it's like how then, did it how did it not cross their minds at all that this might be a problem? Yeah. And then not to mention ice is white. Like anyone tried driving in the snow on a sunny day yeah. knows how bad that is. Like yeah. instant migraine. These all all these guys are just playing with uh what's that stuff under their eye called? Blackout pain or Yeah, something like that. I don't know. And then, so the game after the Boston Philadelphia game, which was a really good game, pasta, my favorite oh. meal, um, <laughs> just absolutely ripping it up, like Big bar down, like thirty seconds yeah. into the game, scores one um, from Ratatouille, and then, <laughs> but first of all, that's delayed twenty or thirty minutes because they didn't think about the sun going down and the sun yeah. being in players' eyes. Like, come, it just seems like. No like Everything is well, well planned, and then I know it's COVID and everything, but oh man, like it yeah. was just no game went on without without a hitch. Like man, and it makes something. me think. It makes me think that like because I was watching the game on Sunday and thinking like with the shadows and everything, I was watching it during warm up and thinking like obviously this is going to be a problem seeing the puck, especially yep. when you're going from sun into shade and like going back and forth. That's the hardest by far. Yeah. Um, and so I was like, you know, it's kind of fun that they're playing in these conditions because that's like I, I, I've played in those exact conditions on a pond before. Right. Um, so it's kind of like true to the the origins of the game. But like, why not do the all star game like that and just lean into it? You know, yeah, yeah. fucking have your three V three tournament up in the middle of some mountain somewhere and like rip the freaking skills competition and stuff and just ha let everyone have fun you know i feel like that's conducive to the kind of environment you're doing the all-star game in anyways right um yeah. why do a competitive game when i mean if there are going to be that many problems right like i don't have any it's one game out of the season it's probably not that big of a big of a deal but like competitive integrity wise like there's a huge advantage disadvantage there um even depending on like what side of the ice you start on right like yeah you're defending the one end that you're looking into the sun first and third period like that sucks so well, I, yeah i saw one where it was like they were actually putting out a valid point like what if someone got like went into the sun 
after they were in the shadow and just got clobbered because they yeah. didn't see the person. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, it's true. There, it's would be, like... there would be two angry GMs at yeah. the NHL's doorstep after that. Yeah. And yeah. like, you never know what the hit like that, that could end someone's career. It's crazy sure. that like, like you can have injuries like that, that just happen and have that kind of consequence. But I don't know, man, like yeah. you're the NHL plan that out better. At least like, You'd think if you were setting it up, you go one day you're setting it up saying, Oh yeah, maybe the sun will be in their eyes, but I don't know. Yeah, you literally do for the next one. Yeah. Well the sun is literally there every day. Yeah, exactly. I was gonna say you're like as the NHL, you've had a lot of outdoor games, so it's not like you're inexperienced. And also, like you think about, okay, well, what issues might we run into? Well, the main one is gonna be the environmental factor. And it's like that was the thing that caught them off guard the most. I just don't yeah. I don't understand who was in charge of that like people were like oh yeah you know what it's cold enough and oh yeah you know what I wasn't actually thinking about the sun when it's starting to set and the trees there might actually cause some sight line issues like uh hello I don't know Gary it's, buddy that, that's Gary why I, yeah I don't know and and big Gare Bear like buddy like great event <laughs> super fun to watch and I'm sure everybody like all the players really enjoyed it as well but like these are just little little things that need to get better yeah. going forward, or you're gonna start. You're not gonna gain viewership and and grow the game of hockey like they're trying to do so hard. Yeah. So, and it's not even like it's their first outdoor game. Dude. Oh, exactly, They've been doing yeah. this yeah. for a while. Like you would think yeah. at this point you'd kind of have these sorts of details figured out. Like oh, we have to think about the environment and will the ice melt? Yeah, you know, it seems like a no brainer. But. Yeah. Exactly. That's what bugged me so much. It was just yeah. like it was such a sick event, even with these hiccups. That yeah, it's such a big stage for the NHL, especially like being on Lake Tahoe, where a lot of like, I'd like to say that the game of hockey in Canada is really big. It's definitely probably the number one sport, but it's like it's slowly getting down there where other sports are catching up. For like, you know, I don't know. Maybe I'm biased in saying hockey's a Canadian sport or Canada sport, but. Um, yeah, it's such a big stage for them to advertise in, and they they just like for new viewers, they don't want to watch one period of hockey and then tune on or tune in nine hours later and watch the yeah. rest of the game. Like so chances are they just, just didn't tune. Felt back like an in, opportunity right? to wander. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then for the second game, so just two days where it was hiccups, but they were like, I think significant hiccups if you're trying to show the game to new people. So. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, as you said, like it was still a really good watching, like viewing experience. It's just that like it didn't have any hiccups, and it did. Yeah, yeah. Um, and one thing too that is like completely unrelated to the running of the event is that game on Sunday, dude. Like, I hammered the Flyers, or no, I I hammered the Bruins, dude, because the Flyers were missing like six of their top guys. Um, they were missing Voracek, Giroux, um, Scott Lawton. Fuck, I'm gonna forget the rest. Konechny, um, Lin, Oscar Lindblom, and Justin Braun. So, two or three of their top six, maybe so four of their top six. Yeah. Um, and because they're all on COVID list, so like, easiest, easiest money I've ever made betting on Boston. First of all, mm-hmm. second of all it seems like we're kind of getting to the point where postponed games are maybe not going to be a thing. And maybe, maybe teams are just going to have to play men down. Um, 
And I mean, if you're the Flyers, like Boston obviously is top of the division, but that's a team that you're going to want to be competing with. So having to play that game down so many top guys, like that's got to be a tough pill to swallow for the Flyers as well as an organization. Carter Hart, man. I I don't know what it is with my goalies, but like I said in the last <laughs> episode, I drafted Bobrovsky, and I somehow drafted Carter Hart this year. Like, still a stud, like really good goalie in the future. But fuck, man, is he just absolutely not having a good year? Oh, yeah. yeah. So it's hurting my fantasy team, but you got your first that, dub last week, though, right? Yeah, yeah. I didn't know you were gonna expose me like that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, trending yeah. in the right direction, buddy. It's been a, a tied, rough season. Tied three or two or three times, so because of my goalies, though, which suck. Yeah. yeah. Uh, some of those goals, like, okay, yeah, that's fair. You can let that puck in, but. I don't yeah. know. Carter Hart needs to get his game going. Yeah, and I feel like he's not getting a ton of support right now either. Like no, Philly has, really. I don't think, been playing that well uh, the last couple of weeks. And obviously, with as many people missing, like it's kind of hard to keep a consistent level of play, right? Oh yeah. But, yep. Yep. That's true. But yeah, yeah, we're we've spent a decent amount of time on yeah, the Tahoe games. Say, Let's go. We got we got one other like kind of big piece of news here. Well, actually, I'm just gonna say big. Um, Regarding our Temi Panarin, who will be taking a, I think, indefinite step away from the the New York Rangers. Um, he is, this is um, with full support of the league and the, the Rangers themselves. Um, but basically, he's been accused of beating uh, an 18-year-old Latvian girl in 2011. Um, so these allegations are coming out from his former KHL coach, uh, Andre Nazarov. I believe he used to play in the NHL. Um, And I think Nazarov is also either the GM or has something to do with the Russian Olympic team. Um, So basically, generally, in this day and age, generally speaking, um, you take an accusation like this at face value. Having said that, Panarin is, uh, for as far as Russians go, a very outspoken supporter of Alexei Navalny, who um, is like the only political opponent to Vladimir Putin in Russia. Um, and Navalny is currently being sentenced for jail time. Um, there was this whole thing because he had been poisoned and had to get medevaced out of Russia um, and really is the only legit critic uh, politically in Russia right now. So um, Panarin, and I think Panarin has been fairly vocal against Putin in the past as well. Um, oh, yeah. So the timing of this is a little bit weird with the Navalny stuff kind of reaching a fever, fever pitch in Russia. Um, Panarin has been vocal in his support of him recently um, and the recent events. So it's not a stretch of the imagination whatsoever um, that um Nazarov Putin some combination of that have kind of dug this up and manufactured it um I personally wouldn't be shocked if that was the case and I'm not sure if there's ever will be a point at which we know really the the veracity of this report like I don't know if there's any way to confirm one way or the other whether this has happened which leaves Panarin himself in a brutal situation 
um, assuming he's innocent, of course. Um, but it's interesting. Like I'm, I, I saw a couple guys talking about it um, on Twitter and and um, a couple of reporters, basically saying that Nazarov, like 100%, this is a political move. Whether or not the allegations are true, it, like the timing is obviously political, um, and that they thought the likeliest motivation was that Nazarov wanted to make sure Panarin wasn't on the Olympic team coming up. Um, so this would be an obvious reason to keep him off the Olympic team. Um, but in terms of Panarin and the, the Rangers, like this is brutal timing, you know, like obviously you want this to come to the most just conclusion it can. Um, but like the Rangers were just starting to look like they might have something in the tank. They might get a, get a streak going there. Um, and now to lose him potentially for the season, I think. Right. So, um, yeah, yeah. So this is, this is really brutal, um, for everyone involved, I think. Um, so something, something to keep your eye on. And I, (laughs) I said to you guys, like, Thank God, Buddy in our fantasy league drafted him the pick before me. Otherwise, I'd be sitting with Panarin on my bench right now. <laughs> yeah, that, that's so true. I uh, that's it's honestly so fucked up that this is like just what happens when you're a Russian citizen. Like you just yeah. don't have any thought separate than whatever they're thinking. Like it, I don't know. It's just crazy. But apparently, that coach, the uh, What's his name, Mike? The Nazarov. Nazarov, yeah. Apparently, mm-hmm. he knocked some guy out like Cole, like another coach or something. He, like, beat someone up himself. So, I mean, for having <laughs> these accusations of uh, Panarin, and not saying that they're unfounded and they're not true or anything, but mm-hmm. like that's pretty bold coming out and saying that he beat some like a like a female up after you just knocked out some coach and like. Apparently it was unprovoked and and everything. So it was wow. a, after a hockey game, but I don't know. It's just crazy that like Panarin is he going to even be able to go back to Russia or like that's I think he, like, he won't. I think yeah, he I won't. know that, that's what I mean. I like you have the yeah. you never go back to your home country because there's a thought in your mind where you could have the same thing that happened to Navalny previously that didn't work. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I remember you, that happening. Yeah, and like, you that and was, your family, dude. Like, it's, yeah, it's insane. I remember that happening, and them just talking about the nerve agent. It was like, yeah, it's a miracle he's alive. So, yeah, but, yeah, man. And like, there are people saying, show. like, they can use the the police reports that would have been should exist in Latvia if the accusations are true. Um, but again, it's like that feels like the sort of thing that could also be easily manufactured. So um, we'll have to see how this plays out, but um, definitely, definitely hope they're not true. I I hope his denying it is, um, is legit. And um, hopefully he can get back on the ice as soon as possible. Um, And obviously hopefully him and his family are safe because God damn dude. them Russians. Another tough break for the Rangers. eh? Yeah, they can't catch a break right now. Yeah. Yeah. But uh but yeah, that's that's that. Um maybe maybe hop on to a little bit more cheerful news. Um <laughs> we got just just real quick, we don't even have to talk about it very much, but Nico Heeshier 
uh, named the captain of the New Jersey Devils. Um, this, I think this is his first year on his big, like seven and a half million a year deal. Um, and this is an interesting one. They do have a few veterans there that maybe would have thought you'd think would be ahead of him in line, but, um, I guess they're, they're looking at the future and I kind of like it, honestly, get a young guy. He's there to stay. It gives him a little bit of security. Um, as so, as a first overall pick that hasn't played all like produced all that well, I think this is a real good vote of confidence by the organization. Yeah, I mean, fuck, man, like it's it's not necessarily like there was anybody that would be a, a direct runner up uh, for the captaincy, but you know, with him signing a, a big deal like he did, um, you know, they they know that he's gonna stick around at least for a little bit, unless you know something happens i don't want to jinx it or anything but um and not to mention too like he got the captaincy and i'm pretty sure he hasn't played a single game this year yet yeah yeah um, he, i think he played his first game the night he got the captaincy oh okay so it's it's been within the last week that he started to play so it just goes to show yeah. you how much um not only the uh management of of the team but also just the team itself uh respect him as a player uh so yeah it's uh good for him and, uh, you know, to be honest, I, I thought for sure that they were going to wait to give it out and then give it to Jack Hughes at some point. But hmm. this the, this is good because that gives like and, and I don't want to start a whole different discussion here, but uh, there's a lot of times where people are like, oh, I don't understand why this player isn't a captain on this team because he's so good. And it's like, well, it, for some players, being able to balance being good and also being a leader on the team is tough. Like, yeah. um, like for example, a lot of people are like, oh, well, it's Austin Matthews' team in Toronto, and he should be the captain, but John Tavares has it. You know what I mean? Even though Austin yeah. Matthews is 100% the, the, the guy who's, like, pretty much pushing the ship himself right now. Um, mm -hmm. But, yeah, I don't know. I, it's, it's good for him. And, uh, yeah, with, with Jack Hughes probably getting an A sometime soon, um, hopefully he gets a little bit more time to kind of soak and... And really start to push his game so yeah but yeah yeah and i mean it him. makes it's not like you know the best player is not always the best leader on the team right and uh i think exactly. it makes a lot of sense actually it takes the pressure off jack hughes in that regard you know hmm. um yeah and you look at like patty kane and jonathan Taves. like i'm not saying he sure and hughes will ever reach the levels that those two have but it's the same sort of thing where Taves maybe not as flashy offensively doesn't produce quite as much but you know, offers other things. He's your, he's your legit number one. Like he's your captain. It's pretty obvious, right? And then you got Patty Kane in there who can lead in his own right, but he's he's out there and he's putting up points. So, oh yeah, yeah. Um, I, I feel like I feel like it makes a lot of sense there. And I think they did. Um, G, the management did run it by Kyle Palm Palmieri and uh, Travis Zajac because they've both been there a long time now. I think. But yeah, it's clear that they're they have a an eye for the future, and they wanted a younger captain for the next generation of players, I guess. So yeah, yeah it's good. Um, kind of like a Landis Cog yeah. situation, eh? Yeah, yeah, similar. Um, and yeah, transitioning from a team that's showing some confidence in a player to probably the exact opposite, and you can't really blame them. Kurt, I know this is something you wanted to talk about, but uh, Jeff Skinner in Buffalo, healthy scratch tonight, buddy. Like, holy, man. My dad, I, I actually, like, I knew he was having a bad year, but my dad texted me last night, and he's like, Jeff Skinner scratched. 
And he then he said the point total after I had just looked up how many points he had. Oh my god, man. He is having a bad, bad year. Just after he signed that massive deal, like what you say you saw it, Mike? It was it's like nine mil. Nine mil until 20, 2026, 2027. Oh man. One assist. <laughs> no goals, one assist in fourteen games. Dude, that that's is absolutely brutal. So like, painful. And I remember watching Jeff Skinner like in the OHL here, and yeah. the guy used to be a figure skater. Like he, I'm pretty sure he didn't start playing hot, like competitive hockey until he was 13 or 14, which is yeah. absolutely crazy in itself. But, and he was a figure skater, so he's really good on his feet. Can just dance people, just going around in circles. Um, but then he can also rip the puck. And I don't know, Buffalo is just. They're just looking really bad, man. They're just having bad luck with COVID. They're looking bad. They just look like a team that's afraid to play their game because they're so afraid to lose. You know what I mean? Yeah. To like, get not only lose, to just get shit on. Yeah, exactly. Like, they're yeah. just afraid to even play um, because they're just concentrating. They can't play their game because they just don't want to lose. So Yeah. Yeah, and, and Taylor I mean, Hall's having a bad year as well. Hall's having a bad year. Kyle Ocposo, another guy getting paid, I think, like five and a half, six and a half million a year, um, yeah. who is barely doing anything. Um, he's at zero points this season in 10 games. So, oh, my God. Oh my I mean, God. and he's making six. So, between him and Skinner, you have 15 million spent on one assist. And they're combined <laughs> minus five. Oh my god, man! Um, like, uh, yeah, yeah. And like, here's the thing: is that neither of these guys are good two-way players. It feels like Buffalo is kind of invested in this like run and gun. You run and gun, but like not even like high-end forwards that are produ- producers, but not like a first legit first-line player because they can't play two yeah. ways. It's like it's like they have fifteen million on two. Uh, Mike Hoffman. Second liners. Yeah. You know? Because, like, looking, I'm looking like Jeff Skinner is a career super minus player. Um, his best season was a even zero in, um, <laughs> in 2018-2019. The year before that, he was minus 27. And the year after that, last year, he was minus 22. Ocposo, um, the same, 2017-2018, he was minus 34. Um, oh, my and wow. was minus three the last Islanders? season. Uh, I no, that was for Buffalo. That would have been his second year in Buffalo. And so, like, obviously Buffalo got shit on that year, but like, still, that's that's really bad. Um, and so, yeah, man, like having a healthy scratch, someone like that, like just having that type of cap hit, like they one hundred percent won't be able to move it. Um, yeah. they probably aren't the type of organization that can afford to bury it. Um, yeah, you can't, yeah, you can't put them on waivers and just. No yeah. one's going to pick that up. Yeah. So, I mean, are you going to pay him 9 mil to play in the AHL? Like, uh, god damn, dude. Uh, it's rough. And, and like, you mentioned the COVID thing. Um, But Rasmus Ristolainen, apparently, he came out, did an interview the other day where he said, you know, like, he's been hit really hard. Like, for a while, he wasn't able to get up his stairs in his house um, mm. because of breathing and, like, heart problems because of it. So, they're a team that's obviously been hit really hard by that but postponed games, the whole deal. But um, having big, big name, big money guys like that under producing as much as they are, it's, it hurts. And like, I mean, I don't see a world like where Jack Eichel stays 
I mean, yeah, they're going to be they're 100%. Yeah. They're going to be sellers at the deadline. I wouldn't be surprised if Taylor Hall finished the season on a different team. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Jack Eichel, man, like teams are going to be lining up for that because there's no way. There's absolutely no way he's going to play out his contract in Buffalo unless they're, they do a real quick U-turn. Um, because it doesn't even feel like they're just drafting poorly or, or have bad players. It feels like they have a combination of good players and like mediocre players that just fit together so badly that their team just sucks. If that makes yeah. sense. Like someone like Rasmus Dahlin, for example, this guy was touted as the next Nick Lidstrom. And I don't think the ship has sailed on him being that high, high end defenseman. Yeah, no, but it's not, it's clearly not going to happen with the Sabres. <laughs> yeah, definitely yeah. not. There's such a yeah, liability like, on defense, you know, like, yeah, well, and like you look at like him, like Eichel's not even doing great right now. He's probably just depressed because his team sucks so much. Yeah. Um, and it's like even your good players aren't doing that well, and that's when that's when I feel like you have to be concerned. Yeah, I think you're right, and Alcposo and Skinner just being like, they have that uh, team buildup of like players that are past their prime. You know what yeah. I mean? Like. I don't know if yeah. O'Reilly leaves Buffalo and then lights it up like he did in St. Louis, and you watch how he played in uh, Colorado as well. Yeah. Something, something about Buffalo is just something must be in the water there that they just yeah. they can't play their game and can't play up to their uh, capability. But yeah, they got some yeah. some bad vibes over in the Big Buff. Well, yeah. and it's weird too because it's the same ownership group as the Bills, right? It's the same family. Yeah, the Pagulas. So like, yeah, clearly they're willing to spend to win, right? So, yeah, they definitely yeah. have money, and they just Buffalo... they maybe tamper a bit too much with the team. Yeah, maybe that. Uh, like, I know Buffalo Sabres fans because my dad grew up in, uh, like along the border and everything, and they would always go across, uh, across the Niagara Falls. Yeah, yeah, it would be the river <laughs> yeah. or across the border. Mm-hmm. And that was before you could like before uh, passports and everything. So you just literally just walk across and watch the games. And those are some diehard fans, man. There's a yeah. lot of fans on that side of Canada and everything that cheer for the Sabres, not even for the Leafs. So I know that they've got a strong, strong fan base and they're itching for some like wins because they were a dominant team in the early 2000s. Like, yeah, them in Ottawa. Shit out of anyone. Oh yeah, big rivalry. Yeah, Martin Biron. Come yeah. on, buddy. Like French connection. <laughs> <laughs> but they got some hard, diehard fans, man, and I just feel bad. And we said that in previous episode. I I think Eichel's gone. Like yeah, we're I talking. Agree. I think we compared McDavid leaving or wanting a trade compared to Eichel, and Eichel by far is the first one to to request one. I think so. Never even been yeah. to the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah, dude, it's tough. And it's like it's here's the thing. At the beginning of this season, I think I said it multiple times over multiple episodes where I was saying, "Look, you got Taylor Hall coming in. You're in your second season with Victor Olofsson. You have Jeff Skinner. Like, you have pieces that have shown they can produce offensively to put around Jack Eichel." And for me, the big thing with Buffalo last year was that Eichel carried them so hard for the first maybe 35, 40 games of the season. And then you could tell he just ran out of juice. Um, and he was doing so much for the team that as soon as he like kind of fell down a peg a little bit energy-wise, like the team was just dust. 
Um, and I think that's already starting to happen this year. Uh, and I mean, it can wear on a guy too, being on a team that's that bad, you know, as well as he's doing, you know, um, especially having those pieces come in and not really help that much. Um, yeah, dude, I, I mean, and that's a huge splash too, because Jack Eichel is, I consider him one of the best players in the league. Um, oh, for sure. On a good, on a good team, dude, he could do serious, serious damage. And it's hard to imagine given what Buffalo has shown and what he's shown in Buffalo. I don't even know if I think Buffalo would get a fair deal for him. Yeah. I feel like they're going to get underpaid. Yeah. Well, and, and I mean, other other teams know that Buffalo's struggling. So it's like, you know, if they're going around and they're being, they're asking for a really expensive price for uh, Taylor Hall or Jack Eichel or any of the other pieces on their team um, for that matter, they're, they're not going to get what they think they're going to get. And, and that's just the, that's how it is. Because when you see a team that's struggling that bad, you know that they need every, every little inch that they can get like to, to help out. Right. So yeah. I don't know, giving away a player like uh, Eichel or, or Taylor Hall, you're going to get uh, undercut, especially in a season like COVID where they know everybody's kind of penny pinching right now because they don't want to, they don't want to overextend themselves. And, and that's just the way it is right now. Right. So, yeah. And then here's the thing too, is that they have him on a bargain deal. He's at 10, yeah. 10 million a year cap hit, which yeah, is like, wow. in my opinion, fully reasonable. You know, I'd, I'd happily swap him in for a Marner or a Tavares. Um, right. So yeah. Oh, hundred percent. That's actually a really good point, Mike. Like Jack Eichel or Mitch Marner, who would you rather have? Oh, well that's, that's a toughie. That's honestly a toughie. I feel like I, I feel like I always underrate Marner, but I still think I'd have to go Jack Eichel. Yeah, yeah. Jack Eichel's just. I feel like him and he's he's probably like maybe one to two steps below Austin Matthews in terms of his ability, and we we don't even know what he's capable of yet because he's hasn't even gotten close to, you know, like he yeah. ha has not even gotten close to his full capability or even seen playoff hockey, right? Like, which is just yeah. absurd. Yeah. And like yeah, I think was... this season, Matthews has kind of shown another level. But oh yeah, I don't even I don't even think Eichel is that far behind that. No, like Eichel was in the conversation with McDavid, like legit yeah. in the conversation. Yeah. I think if you look at McDavid and how he plays, like yeah, okay, McDavid put on put up these numbers also on a terrible team in Edmonton, and Jack Eichel might not have put up as great numbers, but. Like I don't know, yeah. Buffalo is just an absolute disaster. Well, There's too many Buffalo Wild Wings. Or <laughs> <laughs> I think like Eichel has justified his uh, including like including him in that conversation. Um, and you look even at McDavid, like yeah, he's produced, but he's also I would say had better pieces around him. Even yeah. if you just consider Drysital, right? Yeah. 100%. Like even, oh, yeah. yeah, even someone like James Neal is kind of he does what you would hope a Kyle Ocposo would do, yeah. you know, yep. except he's actually, yep. he actually does it. You know, he scores goals. Yeah. Um, so real tough. And I mean, dude, Matthew's contract is short. What if, uh, what if that's the turnaround Arizona needs? Yeah. Arizona. Yeah, uh, decent one, two punch there. Eichel Matthews, first and second line center. Buddy, I don't even want to think about it. Can you imagine that if the NHL just turned into some superpower team like the NBA or teams where you just had yeah. a couple superstars on a team in tax-free states or 
Oh my god. Yeah. Hopefully the way the salary cap works, it would force someone to take such a ridiculous pay cut that if it does happen, it's kind of like respect. Um, you know, like Yeah. If, if Michael them. were like Yeah. Well, yeah. Even that's a ridiculous pay cut, but Yeah. Um, but yeah, exactly, I guess. See how well Boston's doing because of it, too. Yeah. They're just they're ridiculous, man. I don't even want to yeah. get started on Boston. They're just... <laughs> If you look at uh, any team that's competitive, been in the cup finals, there are players on that team that took pay cuts. That's a shitty thing to time. say. No, but it's true. No, it's true. But those it's players true. prioritize winning over money. And personally, if I was in the NHL, I've made my money as soon as I'm over anything three, four million, even before taxes. Yeah. I'm there to play to win the Stanley Cup. Yeah. I don't know. Well, for yeah. some people, that's not yeah. the main goal, right? For some people, oh, it's just yeah. being in the league and making that big time cash. Yeah. yeah. Hey, and but I mean, dude, that, they made it to the yeah. NHL. But yeah. I always go back to the stat that Washington was, and I think still is, the only team to win a cup with anybody making over ten million a year. Yeah, that's a that's a big stat, man. That's actually which is huge. Dude, yeah, it's like you look at it, and then you because then you think back and you look at the teams that won, and it's like, oh well, damn, Pittsburgh won. Crosby doesn't make ten mil. Malkin doesn't make ten mil. Flurry didn't make ten mil, and I know Colton, you wanted to talk about Flurry a bit. Yeah. Um. But Still like, hey, you look at you look at one of those teams now. Vegas is a decent example. I don't know what Petro's making. Maybe he's making over ten, but they feel like a team that uh, that has that kind of build to it, where <laughs> they have they they have a, a bunch of good guys that are getting paid good money, but. Nobody pay getting paid like exorbitant amounts. So Petro is an eight point eight. So I think Ryan or uh, Mark Stone's under ten as well. So, dude, like that's the type of team I think you want to build. Um, Tax and I think state. yeah, yeah, and I think there's a few teams like that around the league as well. Um, obviously, Tampa Bay being the the obvious example. I wonder what uh, Alan Walsh is thinking of Flurry's hot streak. I wonder if he's taking that sword out of his back. <laughs> Or, yeah, cause he, he's the starting goalie right now, right? He's played yeah. almost twice as many games as Lehner. Yeah, and honestly, I don't think Lehner cares the way he is in his life now. Like, he seems very okay with being in that, you know, mm -hmm. every other... Yeah. I think he's just happy to be on a winning team, probably. Yeah, and I think it's a, there's been a change. there's been a change in mentality among goalies, too, mm -hmm. where they're like, you know, I'm actually okay with splitting starts. Yeah. Um, and even like now we have the highest profile, right? Carey Price split and starts with Jake Allen. Um, yeah. And, yeah. And I think having that on like Flurry Laner is just a horse shit goaltending tandem. Yeah. That, like that's insane. Like that's in a good two, way. Yeah. That's two 1A goalies. Yeah. Um, and like, yeah, I, I feel like that automatically makes you a contender regardless of what the rest of your team is like. Um, and hey, if you're goalie, you got to play like a couple times a week. That's not the worst, right? You get more no. practice time. Um, so you can actually kind of per perfect your craft a little bit better as well, I assume. Yep. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you wanna Dude, I was going to say, looking at Pittsburgh, because you let Fleury go, and now you don't let Matt Murray go, so you don't even have the guy you let Fleury go because of. And both of them are looking better than the goalies they have. Yeah, honestly, Matt Murray has been playing a lot better. 
he he came up with the ownership on that one win, but he got subbed in because uh, for an injury. But yeah, it's looking more like I think I said this in the. I'm not sure if I said this or if I said it said someone at work, but some of these guys haven't played in like obviously they've played now, but before uh, coming back, some of these teams hadn't played for like 11 months or something. Yeah, it's true. You got to give these guys a little bit of time. They're professionals. They'll bounce back into a routine where they're going to come out and they're going to play their game. It's not like they forgot how to play it. They're just a bit rusty. Yeah. yeah. So to see, obviously, Pittsburgh's goalies, like they're not doing too much better than any of their goalies the last couple of years without Fleury and now Matt Murray. So I don't know. That Fleury, I think, is... I was a little bit off it. Fleury trained for a bit, but I think he honestly made Vegas Golden Knights where they were. Like, just yeah. embraced it and... Kind of made 100%. them a team where they were actually legitimized the first year. Yeah. And, uh, and dude, yeah. I'd forgotten he was a first overall pick. Yeah. Yeah. First, uh, first goalie ever, I think, yeah. if I'm correct. I think the only goalie ever. Yeah. Yeah, he's uh, he's definitely one of the most impressive goalies in the NHL right now, and it's like kind of ridiculous, um, because you look at kind of the beginning of the the season for the Golden Knights and how they chose and openly said that Robin Leonard was their guy at the beginning. And now um, with him obviously being out uh, for injury, this is kind of Fleury's uh, time to shine and really show them like, hey, you know what? Uh, you may have made the wrong decision. Um, yeah. And I don't know if he's necessarily the most spiteful uh, guy, but you know, having it happen to Pittsburgh where uh, they just kind of said, all right, well, we don't really want you anymore because we have our, our number one. And then to kind of have it happen in Vegas as well, it almost seems like he's playing with a chip on his shoulder and he has to prove himself, even though he already has so many times before. But um, yeah. just to give like a tiny bit of stats, he's played 11 games so far. He's got a 942 save percentage. Um, six Plus 6.5 goals saved above expected, which I, I don't... That's good. Yeah, that's crazy. And he's got three shutouts and... Uh, zero swords sticking out of his back so um <laughs> i it, it, these are one. these are numbers that are just like i don't know man it it's super impressive numbers especially for somebody who's supposed to quote unquote be a backup goalie and uh it it also shows you kind of how um vegas has been able to to push themselves to be one of the top contenders in the uh western conference uh, if you're looking back at normal season, like, you know, now having Robin Leonard as well, it just is kind of a situation where they have an embarrassment of riches uh, in between the pipes. Like, when you have a goalie that's playing at the caliber that Fleury's playing at, and then you have, like, a, a very loaded offense and then a defense that kind of, like, they score by committee, it's, you're, you have a perfect, like, equation for success when it comes to the National Hockey League. And we saw it, like big time in uh, the past couple teams that have won the cups, it hasn't been just you know one guy that has been kind of carrying the ship, right? It's been you know every every aspect of the team has to be on point, or the team is not winning the cup. And it's like uh, I don't know, they they are looking really good right now. And it's like when they had Robin Leonard too, and um, like right before he got hurt, they looked impressive, but you could tell that there wasn't that you know that. Golden Knights team that we saw like the first year that they came into the league where they went to the final, right? It's mm -hmm. like with Flurry in the net, it's it's 
insane how much confidence that these guys have up front uh, to be able to play defense and play offense and not have to worry about, you know, especially playing against Colorado and having like two out of the four games stretch, like two games being a shutout, even though the one game was one nothing. Both of those shutouts, 100% were because of Marc-Andre Fleury. Like, like without, without a doubt. What's that? <laughs> Petrangelo seemed pretty worried. Yeah, oh, buddy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I don't know. It's it's crazy. That outdoor game, like, obviously, Colorado, uh, you know, seemed to find a weak spot. But then, you know, they come back and play them the next game and, and beat them 3 nothing. And it's like, uh, you could make a, a, like, you could make a highlight reel from that game of just flurry saves like he made yeah. some some 10 bell saves on on goals that would 100 percent have been in on anybody else you know what i mean so um yeah if if flurry can I, it's going to be interesting just to just see and this is a whole different talking point we don't have to go into it but when when robin leonard comes back are you still like is he still the number one guy how can you like how can you justify a decision like that given how well yeah. flurry's playing right now yeah. you know that's yeah, I mean, I think they just split. They just got to split it. Yeah. yeah. So you getting traded even... anymore for seven or yeah, he's getting paid seven for twelve mil. Both goalies combined. Are they trading him this year? Or are they just gonna run with them until they're until Flurry's out and then he gets a new deal? That'd be yucky. Yeah, I think I don't they know. keep them both. I think they keep oh, them yeah. both. I think they like like what they've got. But it's interesting, like talking about Flurry going from Pittsburgh to Vegas. I mean, it makes me excited and really interested in the. Um, expansion draft coming yeah. up for Seattle because I feel like even out of all the things like hundreds and hundreds of deals well maybe not hundreds and hundreds but probably at least a hundred deals in terms of getting a pick to protect an extra guy or like don't take this guy you know this and that um, making deals with teams about who they're going to protect around the league like if you think about just change that one tiny thing in Pittsburgh protecting Fleury instead of Matt Murray or even deciding to protect two goalies and leave an extra defenseman or whatever. Um, first of all, I think Vegas is nowhere near the team they are today. Um, and second of all, I think Pittsburgh is a much better team than they are today. Um, maybe, maybe they don't win that cup with Murray um, or those cups with Murray, but yeah. dude, it's like, I, yeah, I, I feel like, giving up flurry like there there's no way a piece like that will be available in this next expansion draft no there can't definitely be, not right well um i mean that's up to vegas right yeah i guess because if, and if they yeah, do it's, it's a no-brainer yeah well because there's a lot of teams that would maybe want to protect two goalies but then you can only protect what three defensemen i i don't remember exactly what the rules are but yeah you sacrifice you sacrifice i i think two outfield or like uh position players to protect an extra goalie um, or, or something like that. So it's going to be interesting to see how teams approach that. Yeah. I think uh, going on that, does Pittsburgh win without them? Not to go back to Pittsburgh, but I think, I don't think Pittsburgh wins those without Matt Murray because I remember firsthand the Ottawa Pittsburgh oh, series. Yeah. Ottawa's looking like once in that third game in Ottawa and Fleury got pulled and that. True. When Murray came back in, Ottawa looked like they were just going to run away with the series. Kind of settled it down, but I think that's what makes Vegas so deadly. And I think I have them to win the cup. I have a bet in there because I really think they can do it. Whereas if that happens in the playoff, if Robin Leonard's the starting goalie going into the end of the year, 
and he has a bad couple games and Fleury comes in, he's lights out and that wins you a cup. Oh man. I don't think Robin Leonard would be upset at all. Yeah. And you didn't see Mark Andre Fleury being upset when Matt Murray was hoisting, hoisting the cup. So, yeah. well, yeah. Why not double your chances of getting a already great goalie to get on a hot streak? Right. Yeah. yeah. Like look at, or look how, at Dallas even. Yeah. Yeah. It's look true. Look how many goalies get injured before the playoffs. Like, Colton, Colton's favorite goalie, Grubauer, got injured last year, didn't he? Yeah. yeah. Kind of screwed over their chances of going anywhere. It was Grubauer and Francois and, and, and. They're it was just ridiculous. Yeah, it was everybody. <laughs> it was everybody. Like, <laughs> uh, somebody put a hex on them, 100%. Yeah. But, yeah, I don't know, yeah, guys. Is there anything else? Uh wanted to get into i know we're we're getting up to an hour there so yeah i don't really have anything else i mean there's some stuff we can save for next episode i'm sure sure it'll yep. still be relevant um but just one final note that trevor zegers i believe made his debut last night for anaheim so yep. um big big high profile kid coming into the league here um oh, yeah. gonna be interesting to see what he can do with anaheim they've got a lot of young american talent so hopefully he can kind of mesh with those guys that are already there sam Steele. um what's the other guy another guy there i forget his name um yeah but yeah but mesh yeah. with those guys freaking get it going bad guy yeah, yeah. Bad guy. oh uh max comtois he's canadian uh, yeah oh did, did you say american I'm, yeah there's another american guy it's uh, sam Steele and someone else i forget who the other guy is though right, it's not important. i actually want to ask you guys who do you guys have picks for norris you don't have to explain it for Norris, Fesna, and Calder. Who do you have, Mike? Fesna. At the beginning of the year, I picked Vasilevsky. Yep. Um. Oh God, am I gonna change that? I was gonna say I. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think around the league. I don't really think maybe Flurry. Yeah. yeah, potentially. I feel like Flurry's. Yeah, probably the only other one that I would pick instead. Um, for Norris, yeah, I don't remember who I picked for Norris. Um, but at this point in the season, no, I don't. I don't think I picked either of the I, him or Makar. Um, I think maybe Macar I picked. Could do it. Yeah, I, I can't. I can't remember what you what you picked. Yeah, neither can I. But uh, at this point in the season, dude, I I feel like it's Jeff Petrie. Yeah. Like it actually like is Jeff one. Petrie. Yeah. I was going to say that one. I was waiting. Yeah. Jeff Petrie, man. Oh, my dad again. <laughs> Saying, does Edmonton regret that one? Oh, I bet they do. Yeah, 100%. I bet they really regret that one. Oh, yeah. Edmonton probably for, like, regret. Nothing. Other than McDavid and Dreisaitl, they probably regret most of what they've done in the past 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Like, yeah. Wait, what? What did you say, Kurt? It was uh, Vesna, uh, Calder, and Hart. Like you gotta. Yeah, what's your Calder, heart, Mike? Calder. Um, Calder. Uh, Calder. I went Stutzla at the beginning of the year. I'm gonna stick with him. Although I had Kaprizov as a close second, and he very well might, very well might take it this year. So yeah, yeah, we'll see. Yep. Fuck. Might as well throw the heart in there. Most valuable player. Oh, it's McKinnon, dude. Gotta be McKinnon. Wow. I, my prediction was Mc, uh, McDavid wins the Art Ross for most points, and McKinnon wins the Heart. Yeah. 
Oh. I, uh, and then Matthews with the Rocket Richard. Yeah. True. Um, those ones are looking good so far. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say, I, <laughs> if I was to say now, um, like, you know, kind of putting what I said at the beginning of the season aside, um, just because <laughs> I don't know 100% what I said. I know um, you said Trevor Zegers <laughs> for Calder. Oh, did I? Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It, it doesn't have to be what whatever you put said. Who do you think right now? Um. Well, at this stage of the season, who's had a good year? Who do you think's gonna be prediction? Well, yeah. Like I think for we're if we're gonna do Vesna first, uh, I would. I mean, you gotta you you gotta give it to Flurry right now. Um, other looks like uh, for a close second, I would say Vasilevsky or Grubauer. Um. And then, yeah, I don't know. All those guys are playing lights out. Like, they have uh, a, bu a bunch of shutouts. So that's also Halibut. another thing, which is ridiculous. Um, Halibut could be in there, too. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Maybe, He's been... Maybe Varlamov, too? God yeah, damn. Varlamov's been, been playing goals. really, really good for the Islanders yeah. as well. He's a big reason why they keep their, their score low. So, yeah. Um, and then, uh, what was the other one? Calder? Yeah, Calder. Yeah, uh, oh, yeah. Okay, so I'll go Norris first. Um Dude, who the fuck did I say for Norris at the beginning of the season? Petrie. Oh. No, I don't know what I don't know who you said. I, I was trying to remember, but yeah. Um I don't know. So far, I think yeah, like I think Petrie hundred percent has it locked down as of right now, but there are some guys that are fairly close. Um I still think that the the door is open for uh Elmacar. I don't think Miro Haskinen has had as good of a season as we predicted he was going to have, but that might be more on the team itself and not necessarily on his play. So, um, and then, yeah, Calder. I honestly, I, I don't think I can. Like the only other person I can somewhat say is like, because I'd say Stutzla a hundred percent. Um, and then other than that, the. Uh, who's the the goalie that's been playing for Florida? Is he considered a rookie? Like Drieger, Drieger, I don't or whatever. Think so. I thought. I don't no. think so. No, was, but uh, uh, the guy in Chicago is Lackanen or whatever. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It was either um, was the guy in Chicago or uh, fuck. There's another guy that's escaping me right now. But um, yeah. There's been a, a few good, technically rookie goaltenders in the league that have come in and. They're almost replacing these guys that have like, you know, multi-million dollar contracts and they're not great, but I mean, like the guy in, in Minnesota, there's a guy that's in Minnesota right now. I forget his name, but no, a uh, goaltender. And he, oh. because, uh, Cam Talbot's out. Um, I was about to say, is it Cam Talbot? <laughs> no, oh, buddy. No, definitely not. <laughs> I heard he's a rookie. <laughs> um, I can't. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Dude, um, Byram could, could make or take a run at it. Yeah, he plays actually. The rest of the season. Yeah, he's been playing really well as well. He's honestly, uh, I every single time I see him play, it, it's kind of ridiculous because he's playing and making decisions that is like not like a rookie defenseman at all. Oh, um, Capo yeah. Kakanen. Yeah, Kakanen. Yeah, for Minnesota, he's been playing. He's been playing really well as well. So, um, I mean, fuck. They need help, all the help that they can get in Minnesota for their goaltending. So if he can come in and be one of those uh, franchise goalies, then wow, what, would that ever solve some issues in Minnesota? But uh, and then what? The last, I guess, Hart. Um, yeah. Uh, 
yeah i'd probably i'm on the mckinnon train too wow yeah yeah i feel like i feel like he has to win the heart because he's not gonna win anything to do with production because he missed some games yeah but like it's hard to argue unless unless like Chicago makes the playoffs and Patty Kane just pops off or something. Yeah, then he would be a maybe? for sure. Dude. Austin <laughs> Matthews, maybe. I was gonna say my hot take for the heart was Patrick Kane. Yeah. I think he's gonna Ooh. win the heart for some reason. I don't know. Yeah, it's a good. It. It's a good guess, man. It's a good guess. It could happen. He's been playing lights out as per usual. And they'd have to make the playoffs, or not yeah. to the cops, sorry, the playoffs. Yeah, if they make the playoffs, I could see it. I could see. I could definitely see him being in the conversation. Yeah. Who do you have for uh, Vesna and Calder, Kurt? Vesna, I was pretty. I agree with both of you guys. I think Flurry, Flurry right now. I like him. He's playing really well. Like even in the outdoor game, he played pretty well. Just some shots. Like obviously yeah. McKinnon. We're gonna. I'm gonna say for the heart, probably gonna win it. But I think Patty Kane's a dark horse. Oh uh, yeah. But like, okay, McKinnon shot. That's one goal. He only let in three goals or something that night. Yeah. So and that was a rip by McKinnon, like posting in perfect shot. Yeah, it's a typical um, McKinnon play. Yeah. And then Norris, I also agree. Jeff Petrie, in my opinion, just having an absolute year. Um, looking like a totally different defenseman too, to be honest. Like last couple of years he's really transformed into like more of an offensive guy because he was kind of well known for being that stay at home defenseman. Mm-hmm. So uh, and what's the other one? Uh, Calder, I think Calder. Kaprizov right now, to be honest. Like, Stutzel looks good, but Kaprizov yeah. is like, seems like to be the juice in their team that gets them going every night. So, yeah. I mean, uh, he's not even really a rookie. So, no, he's not. Like, he's way <laughs> older than Stutzel. So, if you're like, yeah, yeah, Stutzel's he's gonna a be a there, but yeah, 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 dude. Um, uh, fuck, what was I gonna say? Oh, I think I picked Seth Jones for the Norris at the beginning of the year. Wow. Oh, yeah, true. That's, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. That has not aged well. No, no. not at all. Oh, <laughs> man. I'm not 100% sure about that, but I think I picked Seth Jones. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, to be yeah. honest, going into the season, Columbus looked like they were going to have uh, their stuff worked out a little bit more than they do right now. But, uh, yeah. yeah, so. All right. But, yeah, guys. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we uh, cranked out another... A little bit over an hour episode uh if you guys are still listening thank you very much for listening to another episode of the pond and uh go follow us on our socials uh on twitter at podcast underscore pond and on instagram at uh the pond hockey pod and uh yeah guys we're gonna we're uh obviously gonna be back again uh next tuesday hopefully for another episode and uh yeah thanks for listening and uh, as always boys we'll see you next week um, shoot us shoot us some questions on twitter yeah seriously send us anything hockey related um you know what fuck it it could even not be hockey related it could be like what's your favorite <laughs> chips or whatever so um <laughs> catch up uh lays by the way anyways uh thanks for thanks for listening guys and we'll catch you next week uh yeah peace guys peace what up